Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to First City Church. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for those of you who are online and joining us. We're so grateful that you've taken the time to come and be with us while we're in the middle of this series called Disciple. And what we're trying to do is we're saying, okay, if we're going to make a decision that we're going to follow Jesus with all of our heart, that we're going to give ourselves completely to him, what does that look like? And how do I grow as a disciple? Now, a disciple just means I'm a learner. I'm a student. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm trying to learn everything I can about Jesus so that I can grow in him, follow him. I want to study him. I want to see what he did, how he spoke, uh, his relationship with God, and I want to imitate that. I want to follow that as best I can. So I want to be a disciple. I want to be a follower, a learner of Jesus. So uh, this series starts with, to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, this is the beginning point that I began to realize in my life that, you know, I need a savior. I've made a mess of my life. I am a sinner and I need rescuing. And when you find out that Jesus went to the cross, died for you in your place, So that you could have forgiveness of sin, freedom from your past, and a hope of an eternal home with God. You begin to not just believe that that's true, but you begin to receive it. And you have to receive it. God does not push himself on anybody. You have to make the decision. I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. And so you cry out to him. And you repent of your sin and you confess his name before men. And you say, God, Jesus, I I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Now, if you've not done that, then that's the beginning place for you. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus with all your heart and to become obedient to him, that's the first place. When you do, then you're on this path of discipleship. And Jesus said, I am the way. In fact, early believers, early Christians... When they first started calling themselves Christians, Christ followers, it was called the way. Hey, do you want to follow the way? We're we're on the way, right? Because Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And all that meant was, I'm following Jesus. He is the Messiah. I choose to believe it, and I'm following him. And so as we began to follow him, we said there are seven traits of a disciple. What does that mean? If I were to really follow God, give him all of my heart, And I want to begin just learning of him. It starts with just knowing Jesus. Because of what you've done for me, because you have rescued me, because you have saved me, because salvation is a gift that he just lavishes on those who choose him to follow him and give him their life. I just want to know you better. I want to know everything I can about you because you've been so good to me. And so a disciple, the first thing is we just begin to personally develop an intimate walk with Christ. I want to know you intimately, personally, all about you. And then I set a foundation for my life, for the direction of my moral decisions. And that is seeking truth, biblical truth. And you have it in the word of God. And a disciple begins to know that these are the words of God spoken, you know, revelation through the Holy Spirit. So I just want to know the word of God. And those words become alive in you. And you live them out every day of your life. And so a disciple first gets to know Jesus, says, thank you for everything you've done for me. Now I just want to live for you. I want to seek your truth. I want to have a good foundation for all the decisions that I make in my life. And then it pours out in my worship. 
Because you've been so great to me, because you've done everything for me, I can't help but showing up and just saying, thank you, God, and raising my hands and saying, hallelujah, and thank you for what you have done for me. And so we learn how to personally worship, and there are a lot of different, as we talked about last week, a lot of different ways to do that. Raising your hands, closing your eyes, bowing down, there are a lot of different postures that you can take in your own personal worship to God. And there is corporate worship where we all come together and do what we did today. There's very private worship. Worship is even serving God. Just going and giving a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus is part of your worship to God. It's just just serving other people the way that Jesus served other people. So worship is a big deal and it shows itself in everything that we do. And today, we're going to talk about these two together, that a disciple is connected to the church. Now, we are church. Church is not a building. It's not brick and mortar. It's not, you know, lights and all that. And states. we are the church, the people, you know. And so we are connected to each other. And we're going to talk about number five, too. We maintain these relationships. Now, why are we going to talk about these two things together? Well, because we're a family, right? We're a family. And like every family... There are challenges, right? We look around, someone who used to go here, or boy, I'm so glad somebody else doesn't go here, or you know what I'm saying? There, this is where we begin to find out, do we love people the same way God does? When we see how we treat each other, what we expect from each other, and whether we are really loving each other unconditionally or whether we're making it tough on each other with unrealistic expectations. So, staying connected to the church and maintaining relationships. So, let's just dive into this. This is really where we find out, okay, are the principles of God really coming true in my life? These first ones you can do independently, all by yourself. You can get to know Jesus without ever going to church. Right, just intimately in your own personal walk with God. You can seek his truth, and most of the time, our quiet time, our time in the word of God is when we're separate, when we're out. Some people love going to the park. Some people love going to the beach. Some people love doing it in their kitchen with a cup of coffee or on their back porch. But we're all seeking truth. And then worship, you can do that in your car. I was listening, talking to Tyler about it, and I said, hey, Tyler, tell me about you know your worship to God. When did you really have that first encounter with God where... You just worship with all your heart. And Tyler's like, well, it's, that's just kind of in my DNA. It's just, I've just been doing that all my life. And I said, well, tell me a story. And he couldn't finish one story before starting the next story, before starting the next story. And it was really fun. I'm like, I can see why you're a worship leader. And he's like, and I got these playlists. And when I get in my car, I can't wait. And I do this playlist. And I just worship all the way. And sometimes I'm changing them out. And I love hearing new songs. And I'm like, okay, no wonder God has gifted the right man with the right heart on personal worship. You can do all of those on your own. But once we get here and start moving its way down, this is now where we have to begin our interpersonal relationships, where it's going to begin to show in how we treat each other. And so, we're going to say it this way, trait number four, a disciple is connected, accountable, and involved in the body of Christ. It's not always easy, but it's a decision. And, you know, with the bridge being out, making it difficult for people in Gulf Breeze to get here, with COVID and 
and the mask and, and all the up and downs of are we meeting, are we not? Listen, we're going to just keep meeting. We've just made a decision. We're not going to stop. Even if we had to shut everything down, we're going to open the doors. If this is a place where you want to come and worship God, then you come and worship God. Even if I can't be here to preach live and it has to be on a tape, we're just going to keep the doors open. Why? Because it's important to be involved in the body of Christ and to just keep worshiping together. And it's so easy to lose that. And when people are sat home, I, in fact, this past week, I had several people to say, it might have been two weeks ago, you know, it's not the same. We'd been sitting at home since March and April of last year, and we haven't been in worship in a long time. And then they came, and they're like, I'm just telling you, we watch a lot online, but it's not the same. And it's not the same, is it? Because somehow God hardwired us to need each other, to desire each other, and to be a part of his body, right? And so with, with COVID the way it is, and there are others who are sitting at home and are like, you know what, I, I could come. I actually don't. I'm struggling because now I've gotten out of the habit, and I really need to, I really need to push and, 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 and come back or be a part. Now, we want everybody to be safe, but I also want to make sure that you know this is very, very important. It's the way God designed it, and he did it for a reason. And so we need to stop and focus on it and look at it. Now, I love this part here, the body of Christ, because he gives us these analogies in the book of Romans and in 1 Corinthians. So if you have your phone with you, if you want to turn to Romans chapter 12, I'm going to give you a few verses. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, for those of you who've been around a long time, we talk about church a lot. And he's talking about, you know, we are all together forming one body. Look at this. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. That's us. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Will you say that out loud with me? We all belong. Yes, we do. I am not my own. I belong to you. And you belong to me. And we all have different talents. God has placed us all in the body differently. But he, he made us different for a reason. I have blind spots. And if I didn't have good relationships in the body, I would never be able to see them. And vice versa. And so, let's just keep reading. In his grace, I just love that prepositional phrase. In his grace, because, because he just wants to be so good to you, because he wants to lavish on you all of the good things of him, he has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If, 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 you, can, if you can say, you know what, I know what's coming around the corner, I can, I can tell if we did that, somebody would be offended or hurt or left out. If we did that, it could be great, but we better be cautious if we do that. Just God has given some of you the ability to look down the road and to see the effects that a decision would have on a lot of people, and he calls you to speak into that. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. We have a lot of great servants in this church. Thank you for that, by the way. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, 
Take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Now, he's just encouraging us in all of this because what happens in a body, especially if we've been together a long time, just the same way if a family or a family reunion or friendships or in a work environment where you've been around everybody, after a while, we know each other's weaknesses, right? After a while, we get on each other's nerves, right? After a while, we go, why does he always do that? Why does I can't believe? Oh, here we go again, right? And, and there comes to be this challenge of, I don't want to show kindness today. I don't want to serve. I'm not in the mood. I don't, I just, and, and it's easy. This is where the enemy begins to just kind of pick at us. Boy, did you hear that? Did you see that? Ugh, if I were you, I would be offended. And if we're not careful, we let the offense take over instead of the call of Christ to continue to be a part of the body in all of its goodness. By his grace, he continues to love us unconditionally. And by our grace, we should do the same. Amen? 1 Corinthians so now Paul is talking to the body in Corinth, and he says, hey, the human body has many parts. That was not new to them. They, everybody already understood that. But the many parts make up one whole body, so it is with the body of Christ. It's almost like he's writing, I'm going to write the same thing to you that I did to the church in Rome. Some of us are Jews and Gentiles, slaves, and some are free. Hey, we all have different backgrounds. We came from different paths. Some are older, some are younger. Some are, some are northern Yankees, some are southern rednecks. Some of you, he just, well-educated. I'm on my way to being educated. I took an entrepreneurial path. Okay. We, and we all come into a body, and we're all different. Now, are we going to be like the world and begin to cancel each other's differences? Or are we going to be the body of Christ? But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. Remember when you gave your life up and became a Christian? Remember when you said, I'm not doing so well, I need a Savior? And you said, Lord, save me, I give you my life. And remember when he died on the cross for you? Remember when you gave all of that up and like the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, you were baptized? Now you're a dead man. Right, and so now you're part of a of a, something bigger than you. And and dead people don't always have to have their way. Have you noticed? And so he's like, you're you're now part of something much bigger than you, and we all share in this same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one. So if the foot says, "I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand." That does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? So the first thing he's going to say is, there are some of you who do not feel like you're valuable. There are some who are like, well, nobody ever calls me. Nobody ever asks me to. Nobody checks up on me. Nobody. I'm not that important. I don't do that much stuff. I just... I don't even know where I fit in the body. I don't even know why I 
And he said, there's some who you don't feel like you're very important. And you don't feel, well, I don't even need to go. If I, were, if I were to stay away, nobody would even miss me. Have you ever heard any parts of our body talk like that or feel like that? And so he doesn't want, I'm going to say it, he doesn't want any pity parties. And he also doesn't want anybody left out. And it's pretty easy. I mean, we can easily do that to each other where we speak to some and we don't speak to others. Or we're, re we're really intentional and we're, I'm okay. And so he's like, be very careful with how you treat everybody in the body because there are people among us who do not necessarily feel like they're very valuable. Sometimes it's because of our own poor decisions. Sometimes it's because the enemy keeps whispering in your ear. They don't care about you. Right? And sometimes I'm doing everything I can. It's just that I feel like uh, I'm invisible. Nobody, just, nobody sees me. So he's like, be very careful to see everybody in the bottle, body and make sure that everybody feels a part. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If the whole body were an ear, uh, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part where he wants it. I was talking uh, this past week with a lady, and she was just serving just gladly, and I said, I just want to tell you thank you for what you do around here. And she's like, oh, I love serving. Don't ever put me on the stage. Don't ever put me in front of other people. I do not want a spotlight shining on me. I don't ever want to be out in front. I love being behind the scenes just quietly serving. Isn't that awesome? I just, that is so awesome, right? How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. We're all one body, and we all need each other. The eye, here's the opposite end of it. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. Jesus is like, I've, God is like, I have, I've, I've made sure that the hidden parts are actually the ones that need the most care. How would we live without our heart? Right? Just because you can't see it does not mean it's not important. And so he says, you, we've got to get rid of this kind of spirit. Where people look around and we're like, I, you know, I don't, if you want to, go to another church. That's not how the body treats each other. Right? We don't have an attitude of, I, I don't care if you show up or if you don't. We all need each other. So really he's speaking of, yeah, we are one body. We all get that. But what he's challenging us with in this scripture is when it gets to a part where somebody has hurt your feelings or when you're just tired of each other or when it's easier to walk away than to work hard to maintain, what do you do? How do you act and value each other highly? So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. 
He's like, man, take care of each other. Make sure that you are treating each other the way God has always treated you. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. And he's like, whatever you have to do, work hard. Work hard to keep this spirit of unity and this bond of peace. God designed us all to work together. And it's really not even for our benefit. We do get the benefit. In fact, there are three of them. Here you go. When you connect as a local body, you, first of all, you learn more about God. If, if all we did is, is live life on our own, all I would be able to see is what God is doing in me or not doing in me. But when we all come together, I can see God is doing something much bigger. What has he been doing in you? Are you kidding me? That's awesome. And next thing you know, God gets so much bigger. His work gets so much bigger. When we all come together, we begin to see the vastness of God and what he wants us to do in our community. We begin to see his vision for us, our lives. He begins to show us where we fit in the body. And so you learn more about God. I hear what he's done in your life. You can hear what he's done in my life. We share the things of God. And it's like, that is amazing. Don't you love listening to somebody's story when God showed up in their life? And you get to hear how good God has been for them, how he rescued them, or different things going on. And when someone is really hurting, and you see the body of Christ come around them, doesn't it remind you of the goodness of God? So you learn more about God. Number two, you learn more about yourself. You know, we've said this before. A lot of people don't know where they fit into the body of Christ. You know, you come into the church and you're like, okay, so now what am I supposed to do? One of the things we want to do is help you learn where you fit in the body of Christ. And we have a growth track, you know, and, and there are some assessments that you can take to find out what your spiritual gifts are. And most of the time people know, sometimes they don't. But we want to help you know more about yourself. And this is where, you know, the relationships that you carry begin to open your eyes. And so... Oftentimes, and I see Clarence sitting over here, proud grandpa sitting over here. And so he's one of our elders. And I see Alan's up top and I see Sherry. I don't know where Leon is. He's probably in the back. He's in the nursery holding baby, which he loves to do. So these three men know me very, very well. And so I have one rule. You know, I, I, I might tell some of you, you know, some things, but I tell the elders everything. And, and they do the same with me. They know me very well. They also know whenever I get to talking, they're like, okay, here he goes again. Because I'm always like, hey, what if we did this? And what if we did this? And what if we did this? And they're like, calm down there, young feller. I mean, I'm 60 years old, so I'm not too young anymore. But it's like, so we balance each other. And that's very needed. We learn more about ourselves the more we come together. And then finally, you realize you're not alone. You're not alone. It, it really, when we have people who come and they need help in ways larger than what we can help them as a body. And we have a benevolence team who really does a great job at doing the best they can to manage the needs. But when someone who does not have a church home, they do not have a church family, they've severed relations and with, with family, and they come here, and they need rescuing. It's so sad when you see somebody who does not have a family, a body of people who can surround them and help them no matter what comes their way.
You're not in this alone. And as a family, you go back and read the first few chapters of the book of Acts, how that that new family of believers shared with each other so that nobody had a need that wasn't being met. They poured into each other's lives. They help each other on this thing we call life, right? And so you're not alone. This passage in Hebrews 10, I love. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise, amen. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And so he's like, man, it's so important to meet. It's so important to stay together as a body. But it's not always the easy thing, is it? So before we leave, I want to give you seven things that these are just seven traits of a disciple for maintaining relationships. A disciple maintains loving and caring relationships. We work very, very hard at it. Look at these two verses of Scripture. This is how important it is to God. If you are offering your gift at the altar and, and there remember that your brother has something against you, pause. This was worship for them. If you come into church and while you're here, you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar first and go and reconcile to your brother then come and offer your gift. How important is this to God? How important is this to God? He's like, whatever you do, work things out among yourselves as a high priority. And keep fighting for it, keep fighting for it, keep fighting for it. And don't carry it. Because boy, it gets tired of carrying. Right? And so this is a high priority. Look at this. He said it a different way here in Matthew 18. For if your brother sins against you, this is the process. Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he doesn't listen, take, two, you know, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. He's like, there is a process. If somebody's offended you or hurt you, if somebody's been done, if they've done something wrong or if they've sinned, don't, don't embarrass them. Don't write up an email. Don't post it on Facebook. Go to them and sit down and talk. What if they're blind? What if they can't see it? Okay, we're going to have to go a little larger. We're going to, we have to talk about this as a, 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 with two or three people, with people who know about the situation. And what if it still doesn't work? Well, then you take it to a larger group. And there could come a time when if someone's like, I just refuse, not all there, and he's like, okay, well, that relationship is not going to stay. But you work hard to do all the right things in the right process to hold things together when things get difficult. And they do get difficult, don't they? So... Here are seven keys to maintaining relationships. Now, I'm going to give you all seven at the end. If you want to take a picture with your phone, you can. If you want to take them one at a time, you can. But these are just seven things in any relationship. 
your as it was spouse, a marriage, a friendship, a business relationship, a church relationship, whatever it is, these things are important. I can give you a couple more at the end for just, you know, a, a marriage relationship. These are really for church. Number one, focus on improving yourself. It's so easy to become the critic for the church. And to tell, or to see, you know, and tell everybody else what they're doing wrong. But focus on improving yourself. It's just, you know, listen, if we would all focus on improving ourselves, without pointing around, things would be a lot better. Amen? Behold, you know, first take the beam out of your own eye, then you'll see clearly to remove the speck in your brother's eye. This is just really good advice for any relationship that instead of trying to change my spouse, I'm going to spend my energy doing everything I can to be what God has called me to be first. And if both people do that, now you've got some really good ground foundation for a a long-term relationship. Number two, keep expectations realistic. It's pretty easy to... To say, I, I want you have to supply all my happiness. And in relationships like that, first of all, you were never meant to have to make everyone else happy. That's a burden a spouse was never meant to, you know, carry. Or in a friendship, someone's you're, you've been able to carry. You're, you're supposed to make me happy. You did this and did this, did this. And, uh, man, keep expectations realistic. We do need to have standards, right? And we, and we do want to improve things, but we do to keep them realistic. Don't put burdens on people that they were never meant to carry. Number three, learn to communicate effectively. Woo, that's a big one. Just learn to communicate effectively. Not just even the facts about what's going on, but the heart, the intent, the emotions, you know, the details, and the vision Learn to communicate effectively. I like this word learn because I'm an old man and I feel like I'm having to do this now more than any other time in my life, right? So it's a never-ending process, amen? Learn to communicate effectively. Number four, be flexible. Don't always have to have your way. When my dad was preaching, he would always say to his church, everybody has their say, but nobody has their way. It was his way of saying, your voice is important. But if you feel like you always have to get your way or you're going to make it hard on people, that's not right. So be flexible, right? Listen, give and take and in the dialogue and learn how to get along. Number five, appreciate your differences. And we're all different, aren't we? Right? And so our differences is what makes us strong. We have to be we have to be willing to listen to the view of somebody else. We have to be glad that people are built differently than we are. It doesn't necessarily make it easy, but it does mean that we're going to cover for each other. And at the end, God is going to receive the credit and the glory. And it's going to be a better product than any of us on our own. Number six, be dependable. Be dependable. Boy, when you break that, you break a lot. And that's a big deal. I mean, uh, and it doesn't happen with just one big thing. It's a hundred times a day. Hey, honey, did you get the milk on the way home? Right? Just be dependable. And number seven, be affirming. 
Encourage one another. As much as you see the day coming, encourage one another. Encourage one another. Love one another. Be affirming. You know, help everyone around you. And be the kind of person that brightens up everything. We got, a, you know, we, we got enough people who are willing to criticize. What we need more of is people who are affirming <laughs> and encouraging each other. The world is a nasty place. We can get beat up all week long. But when we come here, we really need to build each other up in the Lord. Now, if you're married, then I would also add, make sure that you're meeting your spouse's core need. It's so easy to say, you know, I'm hurt, and so I stopped meeting that core need. But if, if you're married, meet your spouse's core need. And you might need to redefine intimacy because intimacy is not what happens you know at night in a in a bed intimacy is what happens all day long in the little things and there's more go see Brenda downstairs if you want more of that she's fantastic at it here's a book that uh, actually Brent Wazita introduced to us recently it's called the bait of satan just read these questions. Are you compelled to tell your side of the story? If somebody hurt you, if somebody offended you, the first question that book asks is, do you have the right to be offended? And he says, are you compelled to tell your side of the story, to go and get on the phone and tell everybody? Do you fight thoughts of suspicion or distrust? Are you constantly rehearsing past hurts? Have you lost hope because of what someone did to you? If you struggle with this in any way, and we're going to have a sermon series on it, and uh, Taryn and I are talking about that right now, about how can we deliver a sermon series on it in the future. But meanwhile, if you want, I highly recommend this book. All of our staff and, and elders uh, have read the book or are in the process of reading the book right now, and I would highly encourage you to get this book, and it will really help you lay some things down. I love this last verse, and then we're going to have some worship. A new commandment I give you. It's not new to us. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Amen? That's a challenging message. It's not anything new. It's just hard to always live out. Fight for relationships. Fight for relationships. Fight for relationships. It's everything body of Christ. Can I pray with you?